What perfect songs to end our week with. So I was sitting there listening to you guys sing. I couldn't help but think what my prayer for you is. One of those songs was the first one we sang. was about building his kingdom here. And the second one is, is what's to come. Sitting at the campfire last night, I know I heard it over and over and over again. This world is broken. We come from broken families. We have broken lives. We are broken people. And although it's hard and we can tend to focus on that at times, my prayer for you guys are those two songs. One, that we will run the race, that we will remember that if we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we are part of the church, the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ... The church has a job right now, right here, for we are the restrainer that we talked about, (coughs) holding back, shining forth his glory, shining forth his light so that others may see. But second, one day our husband will come and fetch us. And it will be glory. And we will spend eternity in his presence. And I can only imagine what that will be like. And my necklace is causing this thing to get, okay, hopefully we'll survive anyways. If you can't guess, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. How did I, y'all know? I'm going to just take this off. There we go. Come to a close. Can you guys believe this is our last session together? No, it's crazy. It's crazy. I've had so much fun. I've really enjoyed being here with y'all. And we have done so much studying in Hebrews chapter 12. In just verse 1, can you believe that we spent almost an entire week just studying one verse? That's incredible. But that is God's word for you. It is awesome. And we're going to conclude today by finishing up um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and looking um, at the, the conclusion of what he says. Last time we talked about um, fixing our eyes, fixing our eyes, and we talked a lot about what that looks like to fix our eyes And I'm going to start um, in verse 2, and I'm going to go through verse 3. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
how fitting it is that um, we are going to begin and end with looking at Jesus, right? I think that's awesome. So first we're going to look at who he is. He is described, it tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And then it gives us um, two descriptions. It gives us a description of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And so we're going to go over those. Um, I'm just going to write the transliterations, okay? You guys can go up and look the own Greek words for yourself. But there's two words that he describes Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. i got to use this because I can't remember things very well. Okay. So the first word, the word for author, this is the transliteration. I'm not writing the Greek, Greek word. And then this is perfecter. And we're going to talk about both of these today. The first word that is used means founder, leader, originator, captain. Guys, Jesus was at the beginning. In John 1, 1, John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And if we continue through the book of John, we know that he is talking about Jesus. Jesus was at the very start of it all. He was from the beginning. Okay. We also know this because when we go to Genesis chapter one, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but this is amazing. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. And God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God, at the very beginning of time, when he was creating the world, and he had gone through the different days, he's on day six, he's just created all the beasts of the field, and he, God sits down with God and has a council meeting. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit come together, sit down, and decide to create man and woman in the image of God. Is that not crazy? To me, that's just amazing. Jesus Christ is from the beginning. Now, our culture tells us, a lot of people think this, okay, well, maybe there's a creator, maybe there's a God, and he just started everything and let it be. Have you ever felt that way? Okay, I know there's a God, but is he really involved in my life? Is he really involved in my life? Not only is Jesus Christ the founder and the originator of all things. He is the leader and the captain. Guys, he didn't just create us and leave us be. There's three things I want you to know about him this morning. He sees you. He sees you. I'm going to give you some examples. There's examples all over scripture, but my favorite one for this is in Genesis chapter 16, where there's a story of a woman named Hagar. She's not even a Jew. She's a Gentile slave in Abraham's household. And Abraham and Sarai, Abram and Sarai, they are, their names are not changed yet. Abram and Sarai had been told by God that they would have a child and that from that child, um, there would be many descendants as, as far as um, the, as many as the stars in the sky, as many as sand on the seashore. And they didn't believe God 
And so they came up with their own plan. Man, this family's messed up, let me just tell you. Whew. But God still worked in their life, and he still used them, and that's what's amazing. But Hagar, um, Sarai gave her servant Hagar to Abraham, and she became pregnant uh, with a little boy whose name will be Ishmael. And Sarai got mad at Hagar. She got jealous of her and started mistreating her. And so we find in verse um, 6 that she ran away. Hagar ran away. And I'm starting in verse 7 of chapter 16. It says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and it was a spring that was beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants and they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son and you shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your misery and he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. By the way, the word of the Lord always comes true. Even today in the Middle East, there is struggle for the land of Palestine between two brothers, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac. But look at verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Birlaya Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees us. Who sees us. When we're in sin, of course, that's scary. When we're in trouble, man, is that comforting? When we are his child to know that he sees us. He sees you. Whatever you're going through, he sees you. He hears us. There's, again, many examples of this, but in Exodus chapter 3, We find the Israelites had been um, in captivity in Egypt for many years. And Moses had fled into the desert. And God was about to bring deliverance to his people. He shows up in a burning bush before Moses. And in verse 7, the Lord says to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in, er, in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because they're slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. And he sent deliverance. He sees us and he hears us. When you cry out to the Lord, it does not fall on deaf ears. He hears us. And he provides for us. Genesis chapter 22. I love this story. We've talked about it some this week where Abraham is tested and he is told to take Isaac, his only son, his one and only son, the son of the promise, and sacrifice him on a mountaintop. Guys, this was a picture of what was to come with Jesus Christ when he died on the cross and took our punishment, which is just amazing because God gave his one and only son on the cross. And so this was a picture way back in the Old Testament 
God was showing us what was going to happen. But in this story, um, Abraham is obedient to the Lord. He lays Isaac up on the altar. And then in verse 11, it says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, Abraham replied. And the Lord said, Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him, for I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. He will provide. And we know that because not only is he the originator, the author, the founder, the leader, he is also the perfecter of our faith and he will bring it to completion. Guys, this word for founder and leader, this literally means line leader. He doesn't just create everything and leave us be. No, he is our line leader. So we are to get in line behind him and follow him. And we can trust this line leader because not only is he the author of our faith, he is the finisher of our faith. This word right here means completer, finisher, consummator, bringing a process to finish. He provided a way and he completed it. From the very beginning of time, he created us. In our mother's womb, he knit us together and he knew that we were going to be sinners. That we would choose our own way versus his way. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made a way and he brought it to completion. I want you all to take a moment. I just want you to, to close your eyes for a second. Just get comfortable for a second. Don't fall asleep on me. Hopefully you won't fall asleep. You got plenty of sleep this morning, right? And I, I I want you to close your eyes because I, I want you to it just be you for a second here. And I want you to be able to picture it in your head. And I want you to walk with me as I tell you this story. God in the flesh came. And he walked on this earth. And I'm going to take you right before the crucifixion in the garden. Jesus Christ is kneeling down and praying in anguish. And he says, Father, let this cup pass from me, please. Because he knew, he knew what was about to happen. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And the scripture tells us that he was in such anguish as he knelt there and prayed 
that literal sweat drops of blood fell from his head. And in the midst of his anguish, here came his accusers. One of his own, one that had followed him, one that had been entrusted with a job within the disciples, came and kissed him on the cheek, signifying that he was the one he was betraying, his friend. And the soldiers came and drug him away, and he had a sleepless night that night. Being drugged from one place to the next, judge and jury, every single one where people would get up and lie about him and falsely accuse him until he came before Pilate. And a crowd gathered outside. And Pilate asked them, what should I do with this man you call Jesus of Nazareth? And they cried out in a loud voice, crucify him, crucify him. And he was struck away. He would have been stripped of his clothes or most of them, tied to a post with his hands above his head, and he would have been flogged. These soldiers were experts. Their lash had seven strands of leather, and inside had pieces of bone and glass. He first would have been bruised, and then expertly, they would have torn his skin to where his bone and his Muscles would have been bare, and he would have lost a lot of blood. Then they made a crown of thorns and put it on his head and smashed it into his skull and spit upon him and laughed at him and put a cross on his shoulders to carry when he could not carry it, they pulled a man from named Simeon and they walked uphill to a hill called Golgotha. He would have laid on the cross and they would have nailed his hands and his feet with large nails. Wouldn't it have been right through the palm of his hand, but through his wrist because it would have had to hit the, the bone so he would stay on the cross. He would have been pulled up and the cross would have jerked into place in a hole. In order to breathe, he would have had to push up on his feet and his back scraping the cross to take a deep breath and then fall back on the nails in his hands. And he did that for you and for me. That was my cross to bear. The sin that was on his shoulders was mine. 
And it says God turned his face away from his son because of the sin of the world was upon him. And he didn't say a word. He didn't struggle. He didn't fight. It says he went as a lamb to the slaughter for me and for you. He is gracious and he is merciful and he made a way for my punishment to be paid. Guys, would open your eyes. In John chapter 30, verse, verse 19, no, chapter 19, verse 30. There's a word, the same word in Hebrews chapter 12, right here, that means finisher, completer, consummator. We find this same word in its verb form as Jesus hangs on the cross and takes his last breath. And he says, it is finished. It is finished. He endured the cross for us. And we know the story. It didn't end there because he was placed in a tomb, a man named Joseph's tomb. And three days later, he conquered death and he rose again. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we find him not only conquered death, but he sits at the right hand of God. He completed it. It is finished. The work is done. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, all he does, all he does, guys, he did everything. He did everything. He says, look to the cross. Look to the cross and be saved. And if you have looked to the cross and you are saved, I need you to know something. It is finished. It is finished. It is done. He has made a way and he has brought it to completion. Not only that, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. If you have looked to the cross, you are his masterpiece. You are his child. And he is not finished with you yet. One day... I will be glorified. 
I will have a new body and a new name and I don't have to wear glasses and my knee won't squeak and my back won't hurt. And I won't struggle with all the sins that I continue to struggle with. And I won't keep failing and falling because I will be glorified and he will finish the work that he began in me. And I can't wait. I can't wait for that day to come. Be assured that not only did he bring completion at the cross, but we will be glorified and he will return. John 14, three tells us, Jesus tells us that if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you. He is coming back again. And in Revelations 22, he says this. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual, sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves the practices of falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The spirit said, the, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Come. Jesus has done all the work. He has completed it. Come. If you have not washed your robes yet, in his cleansing blood, come. He says, come. <clears throat> Hebrews 12.3 ends by telling us why we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It is so that we will not grow weary and lose heart so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. If everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes with me. I don't know where every single one of you are with God right now. 
But if you have not looked to Jesus, if you have not looked to the finished work of the cross, if you have not washed your robes in his saving blood, he asks you to come. He asks you to come. Clay is going to turn down the lights and, and we're going to play some, some music for a second. And, and if you've been feeling the tug to come and you've been too afraid or something's holding you back, go now. Grab your counselor and go now.